0: You're listening to an all new episode of Self Made Strategies. Visit selfmadestrategies.com for new episodes, information about our guests, and a whole lot more. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Self Made Strategies podcast. I'm your host, Tony Lopes, and with me today is Britt Carpenter, the owner and director of operations for Metropolitan and the founder of the Philly Unknown Project. Hey, Britt, how's it going? I'm doing well, Tony. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you so much for making the time to record this over the phone.
1: I appreciate you uh, having the interest to talk with you. This is exciting. Um, Besides, you know, right now at this point in time, this is a great social interaction.
0: Oh <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate any form of human contact that I can get as well. So I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> All right, cool. So why don't you tell us, we'll start with uh, Metropolitan, which is a pet sitting and dog walking service, but more than just dogs in terms of pet sitting. So tell us a little bit about Metropolitan, how you got into it, why you got into it, and where you're at today. Oh, geez.
1: uh Metropolitan I started actually in April of 2012. Uh, I started after uh, I had an 18 year career in uh, post secondary proprietary education, which is like a for profit education basically. And I spent 18 years in that doing everything ranging from running education to doing operations to regional. And it was a really heavy corporate world. And near the end, I was just getting pretty burned out. I was. Actually, uh, at the point where I knew that I couldn't go on much longer in that type of career. It wasn't even something I believed in anymore. Um, I didn't feel we were doing a service at this point in time. And, you know, so in 2010, it was uh, November 2010, I made a decision that I was done. And I left and I did some consulting gigs and did some other uh, odds and ends gigs. I really didn't know what I was going to do. I had zero clue. I sort of left with an unknown factor. And uh, there, I, I, this opportunity to start walking dogs fell in my lap. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I'm like, this is great. I can walk some dogs. I can make some money. I can possibly lose some weight. (laughs) And before I knew it, uh, I was walking dogs. And then before I knew it, I was hiring an employee, and I was hiring a second employee. And there are, then, then before I knew it, uh, it became um, a business, a small business. So yeah, I started Metropolitan in 2012 as just sort of something to do for some exercise and get out of the house as I was trying to figure my life out what I wanted to be when I grew up,
0: you know? Wow, that's cool. Really cool, and it's been a a huge success. Obviously, you've been around this long, which is a a hurdle to overcome for any business. That's really cool. So, tell us about the types of clients that you work with, and and tell us also how you're doing right now amid the COVID nineteen quarantine.
1: Um, You know, Metropolitan has grown. It's interesting. I mean, you know, with any type of business or any type of you know small business or company, there's you know ebbs, ebbs and flow, and there's just different types of roller coasters that you're going to be riding throughout the journey of a small business. And, you know, uh, there's been some really great years. And there's I've had at one point, I was up to like almost like 14 people working for me, 15 people working for me. And then it just got to be a lot. It became a lot for me to manage. It became a lot for me to, uh, you know, deal with, um, with that many. So I cut back a little bit. And Um, And I've been teetering around eight to ten employees ever since. Uh, Part-time employees. I have um, a great staff. And my clients range from the areas in Philly from South Philly to Rittenhouse to Port Richmond to Fairmount to Manionk. And we provide, you know, services range from just dog walking to overnight stays to uh, cat sitting. Uh, We actually have on, you know, bears, birds, uh, turtles, frogs, hamsters. Wow. You know, so we do (laughs) our full service uh, pet sitting.
0: Yeah. That's (laughs) awesome. We don't discriminate. Whatever your animal is, pretty much, we'll sit it, you know? That's not the only thing you do, obviously. You're also the founder of the Philly Unknown Project. And I know when we talked on the phone to prepare for this recording, you mentioned that that project you almost disassociate yourself with it a little bit. But tell us about Philly Unknown, how it got started, why you started it, and what it's all about. Uh, Philly Unknown. Philly Unknown um, actually started, uh, started in 2015.
1: It started uh, for several different reasons. Um, everybody's always saying, you know, what were the reasons behind it? And I started Philly Unknown as a platform, a social media platform at first. To connect people who basically were potentially suffering from some type of anxiety or social awkwardness or introversion, or were looking for other people to connect with, with like minds in the community um, here in the city of Philadelphia. And that was ranging from people who were photographers to artists to, you know, people in PR. And we just sort of started having these meetups and. Uh, we started to do um a lot of good things together. Well, I have always worked with uh people that um who are suffer from homelessness. And I have always uh been a huge fan of the underdog. So starting Philly Unknown platform for the underdog and doing my outreach on the street that I was doing at the time with the homelessness, I wanted to this sort of you know, marry the two. I wanted to sort of bring the two together. I wanted to sort of bridge some gaps and see how we can get some people in the city interested in out helping. And so what I did was I did exactly that. I started a nonprofit that works with uh, those that are suffering from homelessness, those who have substance use disorder, basically just even those who are just in need, whether it's a community member, if it's somebody who lives, you know, in the community and they're having trouble, you know, we're there to help. We're there to do what we can. Uh, we're boots on the ground, outreach people, where we go out, and we do um, crisis outreach. Uh, we provide compassion bags, which are different necessities, we're ranging from snacks to hygiene products uh, to literature on where they can get help and try to get um, give them a fighting chance and give them a little bit of hope. You know, each and every day that we can. So that's sort of what Philly Unknown is in a nutshell. It's sort of where it culminated from from a place I was in a dark place when I started decided to start it. Um I had gone through many years of uh of opiate use uh disorder. So I was suffering from substance use disorder and I was addicted to opioids uh for many, many years. Started with an accident way back in the early two thousands. Um, you know and I was I was uh, prescribed a lot of pain pills. But, you know, it didn't start exactly there. I mean, of course, I had a history with uh, substance use uh, prior to that. But these years got really dark prior to me starting feeling unknown. And I said to myself, I needed a reason to finally have a purpose, to finally feel worthy, and to finally get away from what I was doing all those years. So I had said if I was able to... Uh, go for 30 days for the first time in as long as I can remember and make it in 30 days, I was going to start this platform called Silly Unknown. And that's how it all started. And that's where it started from. And it sort of kept me going. So in a way, Silly Unknown saved my life. uh, And it's given me an outlet and it's given me a platform to be a voice for others.
0: Wow. That's an incredible backstory and, and thank you for sharing your own personal journey with us and, and congrats for being able to, to overcome that. What was part of your recovery process that really got you over the hill aside from Philly Unknown? I know you said that that really helped you kind of uh, straighten out from your, your addiction, but was, were there other factors that helped you get out of it and were they a part of why you started Philly Unknown the way that you did? Uh. Yeah,
1: yes, there are many factors. I mean, if I could peel layers back and, and 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 start to talk about the different factors that really culminated into the reasons that feeling and knowing was there, was because I've always worked with homeless, um, with those that you know suffer from homelessness, uh, because of my substance use disorder, I felt that there was a Uh, A need to be able to go out and show compassion and empathy to those that were suffering from this as well. because you know, Philadelphia is a very diverse city. It's a really broad city. However, it's also a city that has a lot of uh, poverty. It has a lot of uh, lower economically advantaged uh, people in the demographics. And There's a lot of people that live below the poverty line, actually, in Philadelphia. And, you know, we have a huge population on the streets. And I thought, uh, if I can uh, be strong enough to overcome the opioid addiction and to overcome all that I need to overcome, I could take that and help others. So I started hitting the streets and helping others. I uh, started driving around to different areas where I knew People were to need and uh, it led me over to Princeton, which is our biggest need in the city, and that's where I first had a shop about, uh, about four years ago then, and I started working with the community over there, working with those that were on the streets, working with those that lived there, uh, and working with different organizations and agencies to sort of get a handle on harm reduction in our city, trying to help with the overdose rate uh, and keep it on the north side. And also helping with those that are suffering from homelessness and getting them into housing at some sites. So it really is a huge, uh, it, it, it's a wide span of what we do, but it all has the same mission, helping those in need.
0: Right, exactly. And do you work with particular organizations or departments within city government to help curb some of the homelessness issues or curb some of the addiction issues that the city is facing? Or do you traditionally just oh, work independently?
1: I do know. I'm all about community. I'm all about bringing people together. I'm all about bringing organizations together, trying to, like I said, bridge gaps, make sure that, you know, we're all together. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a firm believer that there is no competition in community. You know, there is no competition in what we're doing here. You know, we're all in this together. You know, at the end of the day, we all know home, and we're all the same. We're people. We're humans. So I work with a lot of different people. I work with Prevention Point Philadelphia, which is an amazing organization that does a lot for the uh, community and, and education and harm reduction in many different ways. I, I work with uh, Operation Save Our City, which is a really good friend of mine who runs a, an organization for victim rights and victim services, especially a lot of gun violence. And also does a lot of work with the, those um, that are suffering from substance use disorder. I work with uh, the city. Um, not really that like we that we partner or collaborate, but if there's something going on and they need somebody there, I'll be there. You know, right? Bbhis assistance. I'm there. know, I am currently. I just signed a lease for a thirteen thousand square foot lot of land over in kansas and we're going to be installing community healing gardens and that starts april 1st
0: awesome very very cool what are you needing in terms of support currently from volunteers so if somebody wanted to volunteer with the philly unknown project if they're listening to this episode and they really want to get involved what are the best ways to get involved with your organization
1: uh well first of all we welcome volunteers we really need volunteers we're who really have different different, uh, different uh, values and different beliefs that they can bring to the table as well. People who understand what we're doing, you know, people always say, but I'm not quite sure I can go out on the street and do what you do on the street. Because we, you know, we get on the street, you know, we go out, and we, we do our thing. Some people just can't do that or people don't want to do that. And I said, there's other ways. So there's other ways to have an Amazon wish list. It's going to be every time Amazon just, Look up Philly Unknown on your wish list. You'll see the wish list that we have available out there. And people can order off of that. We have a website, PhillyUnknownProject.org. And they can submit um, information off where they're looking to volunteer, if they're looking to, phoning, if they're looking to you know, do a fundraiser for us. Uh, we also have the Instagram platform, of Philly Unknown. We have our Facebook page, Philly Unknown. It's <laughs> we try to make as it as possible. We welcome volunteers at all times. We need people who can help with inventory. With these gardens we have coming up, we need people who can help at the gardens prep. We do a lot of clean up, But there are so many different things that people can do to get involved. And you know, we even need people who can make like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and deliver them to us. You know, it's simple as that. Awesome.
0: Yeah, exactly. And every little bit helps, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you
1: know, when people always say, "How can we help?" I always say. What can you do for us that you feel comfortable? I think that's so important. You know, I could tell people this is what I need, but it's so important to know what they feel comfortable doing. And, you know, it usually works out really well. We get it, You know, we do an event every year called the Chili Cook-Off. It's a uh, community Chili Cook-Off and all the proceeds go to. the a known project. And like this past year, we had 14 participants, 160 people, we raised $5,000, and we had people just come and volunteer for the event. And want to had their stroke for the event, and that's awesome because we need that. So, you know, people find their niche. People, you know, figure out what they want. and mm-hmm. You know, we just welcome anybody. You know, sometimes just sharing our posts on social media or sharing our fundraising, that's helping more than people know.
0: That's awesome, yeah. And I love that you use an Amazon wish list as a tool to kind of help, you know, move the football down the field, so to speak, for for the mission of Philly Unknown. Thanks, I appreciate that. No, yeah, and you know, I think it's important because I can,
1: I can you know, with an Amazon wish list, uh, Tony, you can you can direct people to what you need specifically. Cause people people always saying, "What do you need? What do you need? What do you need?" This is what we need. This is what we our priorities are, and it helps us so much because. You know, sometimes people don't like to donate money. You know, some people feel more comfortable knowing that we um, need to put more services and there, or can be out, and that and we're okay with that. No, so, yeah, sorry, Go ahead.
0: no, that's cool. And I'm just curious about what some of the challenges are to continue to operate Philly Unknown at a efficient and meaningful capacity. You have a lot of things going on, obviously, with respect to the organization, but also with respect to your own personal entrepreneurial life with Metropolitan. So focusing on Philly Unknown, what are some of the challenges that you're currently facing?
1: Oh, you know, uh, one of them right now, recently has been uh volunteers actually, getting uh, volunteers to come in and help us at our Hub. We actually have um, what we call the Philly and the Road Street Hub. It's on Roof Street in North Philly, in the San area. And it's where we have basically all of our inventory, all of our storage. And we also have a little meeting area there for when we do our meetings and stuff like that with a labor board of directors. We also have um, a booth on the ground board that we work with. So we need volunteers. We are, that's one of the biggest. Barriers or, or 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 obstacles I, I face in finding dedicated, reliable, consistent volunteers because it's really important that people show up on a consistent basis uh, because of the fact that then they know what's going on. Then then the community gets to know them as well, and it's more of a trust factor then. You know, uh, so volunteers I always look for really good volunteers. That's one of my biggest things right now. I've been saying it for the past few months, that really, really good volunteer. You know, I have uh, three or four people that are dedicated, basically like the operating section of building on now that help. But, you know, we all have full-time jobs. We all have um, families. We all have lives that, you know, we need a little extra hand once in a while. So volunteer is one of my favorite things right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and other than that, so I, I gotta be honest, like we face different different things every day, you know, whether it's you know, getting you know, criticism for what we do and who we work with because of you know, of course, you know, there's there's a lot of awareness out there, because of maybe our support something like, you know, the uh overdose uh prevention sites that we're looking to bring into Philadelphia. And we're very supportive of that because it's it's going to help survive and it's gonna to help to you know, provide a resource for awareness and education for those, you know, suffering from, you know, substance use disorder. So that's, you know, that's been a little bit of a, a, an issue sometimes. People aren't quite sure if that's, you know, what they want to be involved with until they get to start working with us and understanding it, you know. Right. However, right. one of the things we need right now is a lot of belief in our community garden. So <laughs> that's that's something I'm hoping I have a lot of support helping believes in believing we're trying to bring an area where it's sanctuary space where the community comes in and it's a safe space for them to go. It's a station area. You know, there's a lot of, you know, power of you know flow to value and gardening. Uh and it's, you know, really full of trauma. People are walking around with a lot of trauma in their lives. So I hope that we can bring that to it too. So we need people who want to help with that. So really it's just you know we need bodies. We need Willing people.
0: Right. And obviously, that's a challenge in today's world with COVID 19 kind of forcing us all to go indoors. So, how are you keeping the mission moving along under the current circumstances?
1: Well, we have actually been out of doing the outreach. I have, we have a van, we have a nonprofit van, uh, what's that called? A city of deal. But we have the nonprofit van that we purchased a year ago. And we do our outreach with the van. So what I've been doing is I've been doing what I call in-the-van outreach, where we have a compassion bag for others. We have things like sleeping bags. We have blankets. We have other things that we keep in the van. And then um, we will drive around, and we will just hand out to people as they are out in the streets or if they're at their houses or wherever the case may be. We'll do drops, uh last we packaged up, uh, I think it was, like, 12, really big book bags full of um, shirts from, like, Paul Carpenter, the local artist. He does a lot of uh, donations to us. He's he also on the board records for us. And then hygiene products and markers and doodle pads and stuff like that. And we took it around to 12 students who are basically, um, you know, in, in in a situation where they need. So, we took it to their homes and so we dropped them off on their doors. So, we're continuing to do what we need to do. It's just we're having to find the different ways to be creative about getting resources out to the streets. Exactly. And right. being
0: safe. And yeah. And that, that mission has to continue despite the fact that we have to stay indoors as a society and as a community right now to try to curb the COVID 19 pandemic. At the same time, it's important that organizations like yours, like Philly and Unknown, manage to continue to push their mission forward because homelessness doesn't stop just because there are other things going on in the world. Obviously, it probably gets worse. I would imagine. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. And you know, the thing is, they don't really know what's going on out there because they don't have a lot of access to the news. They're only hearing what they're hearing. They're not getting a ton of outreach people coming out there. You know, I don't see a lot of. Um, outreach workers out in the streets with them. And, you know, it's such a transient population that, you know, they're moving from area to area, and they don't have tons of support. And a lot of them are sick to begin with. So this is just really, you know, a big, like, a sensory overload for them because this is pretty surreal, you know. We talk about social distancing and how people are walking from each other and are trying to be respectful and that aspect and all those things you got down to this area and, you know, there's, there's all, you know, all sitting together, you know, lined up on, on, on the sidewalk, you know, right next to each other, And they, they, they need to be educated as well. They need to be made aware. So it, it, it's challenging for us right now. I mean, one good thing is that my nonprofit is considered to be a central nonprofit to be out there working on the street. That's great. Yeah. Uh, we're an activist, so I can speak up. Very fortunate because my business is also essential. <laughs> so we're still able to operate because we serve a lot of healthcare um, workers, a lot of firemen. employees, So they have to go to work, we have to care for their best. So I'm very really fortunate in that aspect as well. Uh, but as far as the nonprofit, you know, we're out there. We're doing what we got to do. Like tomorrow, I'll be going over to make sure that everything is. For the community garden for April 1st, that's being prepped and ready to go. I'll get some more supplies up in the street, getting a lot of water out, I take water to different places. I work with the Old Time Community Center, and they have a donation drop there because they work, uh, and every Sunday morning they have what's called the sign program, and they feed those in need and everything. So um, I'll get supplies down there if they have it for that On Sunday. I just want to make sure we're doing everything we can and that we're not running stacks. That- or that work not at a at, at, you know in part we can't do that we have supply out of the strength we have people that need us we have people that you know are expecting to see us and, and they rely upon us so we show up
0: of course yeah that makes sense so now back to you as an individual as an entrepreneur and and again thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule right now to be on the phone with us and to talk to us about both of your businesses, both the nonprofit and Metropolitan, your for-profit. How do you, as an individual, balance your time between both organizations? Is it just on an as-needed basis or do you keep a super regimented schedule? How do you make sure that the spinning plates within both organizations are always spinning and that you're doing what you need to do? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I just close my eyes and hope. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> that'd <be> funny. <laughs> um,
1: and, I, and I'm sort of saying that coming, to you, but I'm not. <laughs> I uh, so I, when I was when I was in corporate America and I was working, you know, sixty-five, seventy full fucking hours a week. I was very regimented. I had, you know, I was very OCD. I had my calendar all color coded and. You know everything. You know in a place where I knew where to go. Uh, when I started Metropolitan, it was the same thing. Uh, however, when I started the nonprofit and I, when I started my personal recovery, I, I, I learned that what I needed to do was allow things to happen as they happen. Because with my business, things are different every day. I mean, we we service probably on an average of 50, 50, 55 clients a day with Metropolitan. Um, which is now we're down to like maybe three to ten a day, um, if that. Uh, but, you know, I, I had to learn to be able to be a little more lax because if something happens throughout the day, I'd have to take care of it with a bunch of politicians. If something happens with a nonprofit, I'd have to take care of it. So I'm pretty much, I wing it. Man. <laughs>
0: right. Of course. You I have wing no it choice. <laughs>
1: I really didn't want to admit that to anybody, but you asked. I'm very transparent.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's a, it's sometimes a lot of, if you ask a lot of entrepreneurs, that's kind of the answer you get, right? It all comes together. Some, some do follow a very regimented process, but then there are some others and that. I, you know, it it depends on the day. There are some days where I'm really super solidly regimented. And then there are other days where you just kind of say, all right, well, I got these three things that need to go out today. And I got, you know, two or three things kind of scheduled in blocks throughout the day. And we got to figure out ways to make each one of those work, right? So you kind of just go where the fires are sometimes as an entrepreneur. But um, but yeah, I was just wondering if you had a specific process. What do you find that you spend most of your time on? Are you, you and what's that split look like for you? How much of your time as a leader are you spending leading your metropolitan team and how much of your time as a leader are you spending focusing on the Philly unknown side?
1: That's a really good question because it's something that recently I've just gotten really good at doing and managing time and putting it between the two. When I first started the nonprofit, I really lost a little bit of my interest in metropolitan and I almost treated it as like uh, and and, and, and I think it's a bad way to say it. I almost treated like a stepchild. Uh, like, it wasn't really mine. And I was more focused on Philly unknown. A metropolitan was towards sort the of money itself at a status quo. And, you know, the money was coming in, and I was able to, you know, take care of my bills and, you know, live, you know, comfortable enough. You know, I'm not living lavish, you know, just because I own a business. I, I probably right. in the least in my business, you know. I think people have exactly. to realize that right. sometimes. <laughs> you know, my dog speaks before I some stuff But, you know, I, 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 I sort of let it go, and then when I let it go, I sort of realized that, like, I, I started having this little bitterness attitude towards it, and I wasn't really happy with, like, the business or the client, and at that point, I'm like, yeah, I should just sell this business. And I'm like, wait a second. You, know, this this you can balance it. you got to find that going that, that life in it again. So, I started to balance my time and, you know, one of the things I do, I get up every morning around three thirty four a.m. and from about, I spend about three hours dedicated in the morning, um, too much and all the admin stuff, all the scheduling stuff, um, making sure everything is done, making sure billing is good, making sure, you know, whatever has to be done, and, you know, managing my staff that's out in the field and they're working autonomously, so, I, I get up and I do that and then what I'll do is when they're all out in the field, they're doing their thing, I'll actually start to do some stuff for the non-profit because I know I can breathe a little bit. Right. And so actually, I actually have a little bit of schedule now. I do have a little bit of balance and one of the best things about all that is that I'll be able to you know, say, okay, I can put this on hold until later because this isn't quite as important as that, but you know, first and foremost, though, I have to always realize that metropolitan is my number one, because without that, I have nothing, you know, <laughs> because it's a non-profit.
0: Yeah, that's one of those interesting dichotomies, right? If if you're, you, you can only do the good that you're doing through your non-profit if you can continue to sustain just being able to keep yourself the lights on as an individual and all those things. So you have to obviously focus to some degree slightly more on metropolitan just to make sure that you're keeping your rent paid or, or your mortgage paid and your lights on and all of your utilities are covered and so that you can still have internet to be able to function and operate both of your businesses. What types of organizations do you typically collaborate with when it comes to Philly Unknown? And I know I'm going back and forth. I apologize. That's cool. No, that's good.
1: I like that. I like the fact that you're going back and forth. I'm, I'm all about that. I go on and so sometimes <laughs> i may end up I conversation understand and people exactly like, yeah where did that come from <laughs>
0: oh awesome
1: <laughs> but i i got to be honest like i i've worked with some really great organizations and it it really has to be an organization number one and, that i believe in i've got to believe in the mission of the organization that wants to collaborate with us or that i feel can you know be a good partner for us uh, it has to be somebody who, you know, the values are what we're looking for. You know, so like I said, when we work with somebody like the Old Pine Community Center, you know, we'll go down there on a Sunday morning and we'll assist with their Shine program because they're doing such amazing things in the community for all different people that, you know, that's what we want. You know, part of feeling unknown belief is making Philly better block by block. Right. And you've got to focus and concentrate your efforts on individual blocks. Now, that doesn't mean that you got to say, okay, I'm going to start with this block. When I'm done here, I'm moving on to the... To, you know, this was a 1,000 block. I'm only the 2,000 block, you know? You've got to go into the areas where they're in need the most. So, that being said, there's an organization called 3Hub, which is the, an acronym of 3Hub, but it's 5Run Emergency Housing uh, Unit, Philadelphia. It was started by a woman by the name of Stephanie Sena. She is a professor at Nova. and she started this nonprofit where um, she, would, she and her students would open up shelters, uh, warming station shelters uh, in code um, blue weather, and they would find like synagogues and church basements and open them up, and she and I started to partner because she came to the Morris Animal Refuge to talk to them about... Because um, one of the things with people that are suffering from homelessness is um, they're pets. They don't want to get their pets up. Right. So a lot of them will go homeless because of that. Wow. So she came to Morris, and I'm on the board of directors for the Morris uh, Animal Refuge for the last six years. And we're a very much active working board. And she wanted to get, get like a building where she can you know, house you know, people in need and their pets. Well, then her and I teased up a little bit more and I turned around to the tiny villages that were being established in areas like Portland and uh, Eugene, Oregon, and in Austin, Texas, and out in Dublin, Ireland. So before I knew it, uh, Sweetheart and I have been working together on what's called the Breaking Break community, where uh, they will they will be establishing a series of, you know, Quote, like, quote, unquote, tiny homes, but they're just homes for people in need and their pets. And I'm working with them on that project right now. Wow. So that's one of the organizations. Yeah. Yeah. We broke, we did a groundbreaking last year. Um And it's, it's really been an interesting ride, an interesting journey doing this. And, you know, hopefully by the end of next year, there will be homes, um, that you know, we got land from the city from the land bank was granted to us, so we'll have these up, established, and running. Um, and it's just our way of making really better, block by block. So, um, yes, yeah, Three Hub, one of my main organizations, love them. Um, All Carpenter, he's an artist. I thought I mentioned him before. He's not an organization, but he is a small business who works with us and does a lot of donations. He does a lot of. Uh, he does a lot of fundraising, he does a lot of events where he hosts uh, like he hosts them at his home open houses where they come, they do compassion bag packing and you know, like for Christmas he wrapped with his wrapping paper all these compassion bags and I think in, in all it was like close to 100 of them and so we were able to get these gifts out on the streets. and you know, so I work with local artists like him I've also worked with local artists to get rolls up on walls give positive attitudes. Right in front, there's one called, her name's Amber, Ambarella. She does power hearts and we put these hearts all over Kensington with positive inspiration messages on. Oh, that's Um, wonderful. Yeah, so, I mean, I like to partner with organizations and individuals that are looking to come together for community without any questions asked. So, I'm pretty open. I'm pretty open. I will not um, partner with organizations that, you know, uh, uh, well, anyone that are derogatory or would defame anybody. (laughs) Right. Of
0: course. Yeah. So. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know that was a long way to answer that question, but you know, it it sort of gives me an idea of you know the extent of it all and the people we work with. You know, we have some grant writers that work with us from Jefferson, which are great. I work with Penn Charter. The uh, school, the students there um, help a lot with what we're doing. We just want a partnership with Ligori Academy, which um, I think I'm saying it right, and I, and I hope I'm not, I am because so uh, <laughs> this guy that that Ligori, Ligori Academy, where students are going to help us sort of oversee the community garden, and they're going to start, um, you know, partnering to where they're going to be, like, the oversight of it and stuff like that. So, when it all comes into, uh, you know, when it all transpires. So there's a lot of when We work with the youth because the youth are where the impressionable aspects are. We want to make sure that they have focus and some good things that they can be doing. So we really like working with youth programs. Uh, Mural Arts has a storefront in Kensington, the Mural Arts program in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. that they partner with four or five other organizations. I work with them. I do a lot of donations with them. I go in there and I, I help them with their workshops. Uh, it's part of a family down there. It's great. So, yeah. There you
0: go, Tony. I can do a lot. lot Yeah, very cool. No, that's awesome to hear. And I I personally find that collaborating with other organizations can actually be very empowering, especially for nonprofits, because we're in a limited resource society, right? As we can clearly see with this COVID-19 issue that we're facing. And a lot of times, if you find ways to overlap and collaborate with other organizations... You can really actually amplify things a lot of times i think organizations initially believe that it would limit them or limit their capacity to increase donor dollars but believe it or not sometimes finding an organization that you can collaborate with to your point can really help get your message out a little bit more get to a broader audience and therefore increase your dollar donor dollars down the line right um, very interesting that you're on the board of Morris Morris Animal Refuge over
1: in the uh, over in Midtown, uh, uh 13th and Lombard.
0: Yeah, yeah, really cool organization. They've been around since 1874, so. Going on a a century and a half. Yeah. (laughs) And um, so, how did you know that? Well, yeah, I I popped up the website. I'm (laughs) I'm cheating. (laughs) Sorry. Um, One of the (laughs) major benefits of working remotely, you know? Um, So, uh, you get to cheat and sound a lot smarter than you really are. (laughs) Uh, (laughs)
1: That's great, though, because I love it. You're looking for the knowledge, and, you know, that's what we want. We want people to become aware before they start to formulate any type of idea or judgment.
0: Yeah, well, no, I, I'm That's with great. you. I mean, my wife and I have two dogs right now, and they're both rescues. And we had a, a, our first dog passed away last April about a year ago, and that was a rescue as well. My brother and his fiance have a few rescues also. My mom has had a, a couple rescues. So, um, you know, we're definitely a a, a animal loving and rescue-focused family, for lack of a better term. So always looking for opportunities to get involved with those organizations and to help get their message out. So I didn't even know before this recording that you were uh, on the board of the Morris Animal Refuge. That's really interesting to me. So how long have you been doing that? Uh, Six years. Right, and so how do you, how do you find a balance between being on the board of <laughs> Mars Animal Refuge, and you know, obviously representing Philly Unknown? So when you're out and about, this is also something that I'm curious about myself because I sit, serve on the board of two nonprofits. Today is a good day, which helps families who are going through. An experience where their baby is in the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit, and then College Possible Philadelphia, which is a college access organization that helps high school students in their junior or senior year who come from disadvantaged backgrounds get all the way to a college degree. And I know College Possible. I love them. Oh, awesome. That's really great. Yeah. Wow. Really cool. Yeah. yeah. I've been on their, their site board in Philly for just about a year around. And uh, I love the mission of the organization, love being a part of it. And we we were just speaking on the phone internally about how to overcome these challenges because we can't get together, obviously, for fundraisers and stuff like that. So how are you dealing with this, this current current challenge? But more importantly, going back, how do you split your time between being on the board for the Morris Animal Refuge and representing Philly Unknown as efficiently as you have been?
1: It, you know, is uh, When I first saw Morris, Morris uh, the whole structure of Morris was a little bit different. Like, we were a working board where we were going in, we were donating, you know, you know, dedicating our time inside the refuge. Um, and then it went through a lot of, like, and you, do, and, you know, there was a realization that a organization like that really needed, you know, to have this uh, strong inside team. And we hired a great um, executive director, uh, the board, editor, and, you know, they got a firm to bring in a guy in who has been with us since. And he put together a great team. So we don't spend as much time in the shelter as, like we used to at all as a working aspect of it, as did what we do is we have a board meeting once a month. We communicate via email or calls We have an 1874 society which has a meeting every two months. So we're very active in different aspects. We each have roles in different committees. Like we have a development committee, we have a marketing committee, we have you know a grounds and facilities committee. So we're, we each have our roles in that. So I think for me to answer your question is I pick and choose my battles very wisely. <laughs> I know what I can fight off and I know what I can do. And, and it's been really cool because Moore is amazing. The a board of directors there. We've been together for a while. We have some new people coming in. But we all bring something to the table our own way and nobody has ever been like, Oh hey, Chris doesn't do anything. He concentrates all the time on that or oh hey, you know, Allie, you know, she is be really so busy doing, you know, we all bring to the table, that like, I couldn't do what Sally does in any way, shape, or form, you know? and <laughs> You know, like, Wayne, I couldn't do what he does. And Josh, who's our president. And, but then again, like, you know, I, I, I often talk to him. Like, I may be too busy. And then when they point out what I brought to the table and what my value was, it made a lot of sense to me. And I appreciate it because I recognize that now as being a strength. So it worked. You know, it works. Once again, it's all about just, you know, you you have to have a little bit of a plan. You have to have a balance. It's got to go with the flow. And I do that. I do that as just as possible every day.
0: Very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah, well, thank you so much for, first of all, for your time today, but also for all that you've been doing for our community and for the animals in our community uh, really, really cool organization, Metropolitan. What's the best way to get information about Metropolitan or to schedule an appointment if somebody needs pet sitting or uh, dog walking services? Sure,
1: absolutely. Uh, dot com is our website, metropolitanciliy dot com, or they can email at Wolf, W-O-F, wolf at metropolitanciliy dot com, and. Uh, we can help them out, you know, best as possible. We we are accommodating as can be. My team is awesome. I don't hire anybody unless I trust them with my four dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so um my team's awesome. So yeah, so they can do that with Metropolitan if they need to get a hold of us.
0: Great. And for the Philly Unknown Project, what's the best way to get information about that, or to reach out if they want to volunteer?
1: phillyunknownproject.org dot org, or they can. um Email us at at gmail.com uh, or we're on all of our social media platforms for Fully Unknown, but it's the website. Or if they want to go out to YouTube, and they can check out a docu series that, part uh, docu series that uh, I did that was the mar- I was a narrator for Voice of America. Are familiar with them
0: at all? Are you familiar with Voice of America? I'm not, but I'll definitely look into it.
1: Yeah, Voice of America is a government-funded outlet. They do a lot of government production media and awesome. stuff like that. And so we did this hockey series, um, and that's called the Damage Done: the unwanted and they can find out a lot of information about building on that too.
0: Very, very cool. Yeah. Awesome. And yeah, so we'll post a link to that YouTube, um, YouTube video that can you send me a link offline and I'll post a link to that YouTube video in the show notes. Oh
1: yeah, that'd be awesome. I would appreciate that. I mean, it was, um, it, it, you know, and it, basically the video, the, the docu series, for people to watch it, it brings a lot of awareness and the human side to those that are, you know, afflicted with substance abuse disorder, and uh, those that are living on the streets. And here you know, you'll see a little bit about how what you actually see what we do. You see the outlets that we do. You'll see how I, I work with people to help them get them, you know, into uh, recovery or into um, alternative living, um, and it really just highlights, you know, who we are. So yeah, well, so fun. very very that. cool.
0: Yeah. All right, Britt, thank you very much for your time. We'll let you get back to running around like a madman, and um, we'll look out for all the cool stuff <laughs> that you're doing with the Philly Unknown Project and with Metropolitan for sure. And again, thanks for also being a part of Morris Animal Refuge. That's just incredible that you're you're doing so much for our community.
1: I appreciate that. And I appreciate you saying that because one thing about me is that I'm about community and I believe that if we can't work together, you know, to get things accomplished, then you know, we're not going to build them. So thank you so much. And thanks for having me on. This is really awesome. This was a great conversation and I appreciate thank you. you yeah, a lot. Thank
0: you for saying that. And um, we'll definitely look out for what you have coming out. Thanks again. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you again.
1: Take care.